Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Um, let me just get right into it. You know, I, I really have this strong, strong sense during worship that um, there's real breakthrough in here today real breakthrough, and um, uh, my message is going to seem sort of boring compared to the ministry we'll have at the end, I think, because I really feel that the Lord wants to move people who are stuck or are at, a, at, a, at some sort of a standstill, and he wants to blast you past that and move you into your next uh, season, your next level, whatever that might be, and uh, and there's this real uh, strong word in my heart about breakthrough that's a little bit different than what I want to preach, but it's kind of the same. Uh, I just want to make a, a quick thank you to all the people that helped out with conference. And uh, I think I'm still uh, in conference mode, kind of. And uh, it'd be nice to get back to normal. But what a, what a buzz that was and to hang around with our, our C3 family. Uh, tonight, the other thing, you know, there's another uh, experienced church is planting a church as well, another church downtown today as well. And uh, C3 Toronto is plant, planting an east campus, probably about now, <laughs> probably. Um, anyway, so expansion is taking place, and this is part of what I believe um, the Lord is authoring on the earth, that of the increase of his government, there'll be no end, and the church is the governing force on the earth. I honestly believe that we are very very, very much uh, local church people. And so um, I want to share a couple of things with you today about, um, about becoming. <coughs> and uh, I, guess, I guess our theme is become. I have in brackets, ing, on my, in, on my notes. I think it's, I thought it was about becoming. And um, I, was, I was noticing on um, um, my wife, uh, we had a few days in Banff, and um, she was, um, do you know, you know those irritating little things that pop up when you're on Facebook? And they say, here's what you're doing five years ago, here's what you're doing ten years ago. Those little things, how annoying they are. Um, so Kelly, Kelly made this comment. She said, uh, here you are, here you, here's a picture of you in Banff six years ago, because we go every Thanksgiving. And um, she said, you've got the same shirt, <laughs> <laughs> the same vest, same hairstyle, a little grayer. And I go, I just, that didn't start a domestic at, at that moment, but it caused me to reflect a little bit on what are we becoming anyway. And uh, honestly, I, I believe that life is our choice. Life is a choice. We'll talk about that this morning. And uh, your life is your choice. Nobody else's. It's always yours. And, um, and so I want to I share uh, the topic, what are you becoming? And, um, and, and share this truth with you, the most important thing in the world. Listen really closely. The, the most important thing in the world is your relationship with Jesus. There's nothing more important than that. The, let me overstate that. The most important thing in the world is for you to have a living, growing, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing's more important. Every, the world will come together when your relationship with Jesus has come together. And that really is what John 3, 16 is about. It's about us knowing Christ. When he, when he refers to the passage, for God so loved the world, 
for God to love the world. How does that go? It's about, so when we think that the reason that Christ came is so we could have uh, an endless amount of life, that's not really what he's saying. He's saying that there's a quality of life, not a quantity of life. And in chapter 17 of verse 2, he says, this is eternal life that you may know Christ. This is eternal life. Your purpose on the earth is to, is to know Christ and for you to have an intimate relationship with him. He is here this morning to speak to you about moving you forward into your destiny and becoming all that you've been called and created to be. That's his purpose for you. But in order for you to make the necessary changes, he has to help you with your thought life because we're only transformed as our minds are renewed. So if you don't change the way you think, you will not change. It's really that simple. And you won't become anything different unless you make a significant shift in the way that you think. So that's what I want to talk about today. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 1 and verse 12. <clears throat> One of my favorite verses. Just a few verses before that, but though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him when he came. It still doesn't. He has to be revealed. And even in his own land and among his own people, he was not accepted. But to all who believed him and accepted him, two steps, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, now turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Sorry, this is not overhead, but it's... It's honestly the headquarters for me about maturity. This whole chapter 4 is profound because it's about how the body of Christ works. And last month we talked about becoming. Somewhere in that becoming and believing and belonging, they all work. I don't know if, they're, if it's in steps or circles or what it is. But, but he talks about belonging to the body of Christ. He calls himself a prisoner. And, um, and to live... Uh, your life uh, worthy of your calling because you've been called. Be humble, gentle, be patient with each other, and, and on and on. Because we're all one body. We have the same spirit. We've all been called to this same glorious future. There's one Lord, one faith. Uh, but however, he has given each one of us a special gift according to the generosity of Christ. And he lists off the, the gifts Christ gave to his church. That's who they were given to. And that's where they function best. He is the one who gave these gifts to the church. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, build up the church, the body of Christ, where we belong, until we come into unity of faith and knowledge of his son, and that we will be mature and fully grown in the Lord. It's becoming fully grown and maturing, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. Then we'll be no longer like children, always changing our minds about what we believe, believing and becoming because somebody has told you something different and because someone has cleverly lied to you and made that lie sound like the truth. This happens all the time. And if we're not part of a body, we won't know what's right or wrong. You have to be in an accountability structure where someone can say, golly, that's a crazy thought you've got right there. But who can do that for you? This, is the, this process is called discipleship. That someone can call you on your thoughts and your actions. So he says... 
But instead, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more, becoming more and more, becoming more and more in every, every way like Christ, who is ahead of his body, the church, and under his direction, the whole body is fit together perfectly, and as each does his own special part, helps the other parts grow. We all belong to this one body, so the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. And one more passage in Rome, John chapter 8. When I read through John chapter 8 this week, there's sometimes I'll read, I'll, 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 because I believe when you read the word became flesh and the word is, it's like interacting with Christ himself. And I read through chapter 8 and I just put it down and went, wow, just mind-blowing, the whole chapter. Starts off with that sex in the city scene, the woman taken in adultery. And, uh, and then he comes to this one point, and this is, my, this is really the, my text for this morning. And Jesus said to the people, still the, still the group of people that were there, uh, anyway, who believed in him. He said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teaching. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You are truly my disciples, truly my disciples, if you keep obeying my teaching. And you will know the truth as you keep obeying his teaching. And then you will know the truth, and that truth will liberate you. Lies incarcerate you, truth liberates you. Truth is a person. Jesus said, I am truth. The way, the truth, and the life. Our lives need to conform to that plumb line of truth. Um, in, in, in Paul's lifetime and towards the end of his life, he, he said, that, and, 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 and arguably no one was more influential, not only in that first um, century, but still, he, who he authored half of the New Testament. But he said this, that I might know him. You mean you don't know him yet? What are you doing writing the Bible? You mean you don't know, know that I might know him? The, here's what I need you to get is that throughout your entire life there will be an ongoing revelation of Jesus Christ and it has to continue to grow that we become more and more and more like Christ the becoming process is taking place for you and I when you came to faith in Christ that was the beginning it wasn't the end that was just the starting point and he said that I might know know him and this knowing is knowing the truth, and that truth then liberates you. This morning we are on the edge of knowing him in a new dimension today. We know, we, in our time of worship, gosh, the worship was so tangible today. I mean, you can do that at home. You should have some private worship times, and, and you should have private teaching times, but... But let me just share with you very quickly our vision and our mission in 10 words. And sometimes it's um, confusing for some. So let me make it clear. I believe that we are part of what God is doing on the earth right now. What he's doing on the earth is a construction project. It's called the church. A weapon of mass construction that's taking place right now on the earth. So what is our mission and our vision and our purpose? It's to build the church. That's what it's to do. And how are we going to do that? Central to that is making disciples. And of course, you can't make your disciples unless you've reached some of the lost. And then the discipleship becomes part of developing them into leaders who can impact their world. So in 10 words, that's really what we're doing. 
It's not up for grabs, the mission and vision of the church. You can word it a little snazzier if you want. But essentially, that's it. So we will measure, measure ourselves and our campuses to those metrics. Is it building the church? Then you can drill down if you want. Is it reaching the lost? Is it making disciples? And is it developing leaders? This is our ongoing mandate. So, so the question comes up then, are we, are we am I a disciple? Uh, if so, who is discipling me? Have you been discipled? Are you a discipler? A disciple is really a learner. It, it, it includes the word discipline. So are you learning? What's the proof of that learning? Who is helping you to learn? Who has permission to challenge you on your learning and how you're learning and what you're learning? Your behaviors and your attitudes and your thoughts. Who has permission to correct you in that? In this process, are you becoming more and more like Christ? Are those you're influencing becoming more like Christ? And I believe for all of us that begins right in our homes. That your spouse and your kids is your first church. And if the qualification of a leader in a church says he has to, first of all, figure that out in the context of his own family. And if it doesn't work there, he shouldn't export it or she. We need to be, first of all, helping those within our spheres of influence, our families, becoming more and more like Christ, first of all. Then we'll be no longer like children. This is the process of growth and maturity and growing up. Have you been discipled? Are you discipling someone? Are you a disciple of someone? Who is the one that's discipling you? So this is, this is the path of becoming more and more like Christ. Um, I remember right after I came to Christ, I went to Hawaii for a couple of months. And um, where I was discipled, I, and that season was really... Um, well, it was warm, but it was so helpful for me. And there was a one young man in the church there that took me through the scriptures one day and showed me the difference between a follower of Christ and a disciple of Christ. They're completely different. That was shocking to me. I, I've never forgotten that. Jesus said, you are my disciples. You are truly my disciples. I guess you can be falsely. You're truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings. Not if you obey them once, one moment, one time but that it's an ongoing process. Growth for me is much like a garden, I think. I think the spirit world and the natural world are very much the same, is they don't like vacuums. I don't mean, I don't mean hoovers, I mean where nothing is taking place. If you left a garden alone, what would happen? You would think nothing would happen. That's really not true. It would grow because it's designed to. The earth has been commanded to grow. It says in Genesis that the earth brings forth now because God put within it the ability to produce. He's placed that within you and I as well. The spirit world as well abhors a vacuum. You need to be very aware of vacuums. I think many times in worship there's a vacuum space and you choose what steps into that space. You, here's what happens with a garden. I don't need to tell you about horticulture. Most of you know that when you plant a certain seed it grows a certain, turns into a certain thing. But that garden also has to be tended and cared for. Same with your spiritual life. It can't be just random. It needs to be planned out. And it needs to be weeded regularly. 
But here's what I have found is that you can't force a garden to grow. Has anybody noticed that? It, you have to cooperate with the seasons within a garden. I'm not sure where your season is right now, but typically we are either entering or exiting a season. If I were to ask you right now, are you entering a season or are you exiting a season? You would know. You're coming to an end of a season. You need to cooperate with those seasons. You can't force maturity, but you can participate with it. And many times people get confused with what is a growth opportunity. Your warfare has to do with your growth. There's really no battle about your past. The battle is about your future, your destiny, your calling. That's really what the warfare is. And God wants to remind you of your destiny. And the enemy wants to remind you of your past. So he can disqualify you for your future. And we need to learn to tell those little chatterboxes to be silent. <laughs> All right. So salvation is quite easy. Happens in a moment. But discipleship is extremely hard. For you and I, learning to walk by faith is the process of taking that which is ours in the spirit and bringing it into our physical and earthly walk. That's called walking in the spirit. Staying in tune with what the spirit is trying to do in your life and in faith walking that out. You, the Holy Spirit is present today to move you from your place of standstill into your place of breakthrough. And that's your choice. It's always your choice. And it's always your move. Um, discovering, uh, um, this isn't right English. Who wrote this? I guess I did. Um, it's about being disciplined. Um, uh, here's what happened to me. Right after I came to faith in Christ, and I'm going to say within the first um, month, maybe 30 days, of inviting Christ into my life. Um, I, made, I made three decisions. You can call them, um, in Oprah terms, agreements if you want. But they were commitments that I made. So I no longer have to make these decisions because I've already made them. And these decisions, more than anything else, they, they actually are not even really disciplines anymore because they're, 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 they're not contended with. But these three decisions have made the biggest difference in my life. And you can, I just remember them as I was writing them down. They're three Gs. This is my 3G network this year. So first of all, what, this decision that I don't have to make a decision on because I made a commitment 32 years ago is that every week I'm going to gather in the house of God. That's what I'm going to do. If you haven't made that decision, if that's up for grabs, that'll be a battle every Sunday for you. It's not a decision anymore for me. My granddaughter said, well, you have to go to church. You're the pastor. I guess I do. <laughs> but even on our holidays, many times, I want to go to the house of God because I need to connect with God. My relationship with Christ is vital. So I, ha I don't no longer have to make a decision whether I feel like it or not. I'm the pastor. i got to come to church. No, but it's a really important decision to make. Are you going to gather together? The second decision I made is I was going to give. And here's what I was going to do. I was going to give 10% of our gross income. We call that tithing. 
That's what a young person came to me. What's the pith anyway? It's on here. What's the, there's a pith on here. You, if, you, if, you're gonna, if you want to begin giving, you can give 2%, 5%. That's not tithing. A tithing is 10%. It's moving, taking your gross amount and taking that decimal and moving it over a couple. And that's what we've decided to give. This is not a big decision for me anymore. It's a commitment we made and it's done. We do, it's an auto debit for us. That's, cheap, that's easier for our bookkeeping. Uh, that's easier for our church. There's no uh, fees on that. Works very well. This is not an offering message. This is about a commitment that we have made and the result of that commitment. Now, I don't, it, it's helped me grow more than anything else. I don't have to now wonder, is God involved in my finances? And when I'm praying for finances or I'm praying for opportunities, I already know that the door is closed regarding is God involved in my finances or not. And the third agreement or the third commitment, the third G uh, that I may, and, and by the way, our giving, our tithe is without question. Offerings are, these are after tithe, after tax dollars that I, that we make a decision on, like S Stephen just asked me there, because my tithe is already coming out. I've already made that decision. But, but throughout my week, not just Sunday morning, Lord, should I give to this person over here? Do I need to give to this person? Do I need to give to my kids? Do I need to give to, the, what, where's, where would you like, because he uses people. So this isn't just here. This is all week long. We're meant to be people who are stewards. Uh, we, we, so I don't tithe because 10% is the Lord's. I tithe because 100% is the Lord's. And I want to say, where do, where, do you need, where, do, where do you need me to be contributing throughout the week? Uh, the last decision I make is about growth. And growth for me, the critical part for growth for me is, uh, first of all, that starts with time in prayer and reading the scriptures every day. Um, some, it's not about a length of time. Uh, I'm a bit of a slow learner. I like to have two hours to do that. Um, but I'm a professional, apparently, as a pastor. But I like to read uh, devotionally as well. So always for me, it, that's a daily thing. A weekly thing is coming to church. And a monthly thing is gathering with a group of people. I try to f have a, a group that I'm part of. And they can be aware of what's going on in my life. And so those are my three G's. And they're very, very important for me becoming uh, who God has called me to be. Now, he says here that you are my, truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings. Not if you did it just once, but you keep doing it. I'm not sure what the Lord is asking you to obey this morning, but I'm assuming there's another step for each one of us. But he says this here, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I don't want to spend too much time on this. I feel like I've talked on this uh, uh, before quite a bit, but I do need to just remind us what he means by knowing the truth. He doesn't mean do you, do you, have you read some information and you know now what's true? Knowledge doesn't change us. It won't change you. It has no power to change you. No, knowing something is not that helpful. Even for, and, and here's what you'll find. You'll find that the Holy Spirit is actually not as much at work in your life to help you understand what the Bible means. Here's what he's at work in your life to do. Reveal to you what the Bible means to you. Not just what it means as information. It's what does it mean to you today. Knowing the truth. This is, he's referring to, it says in, in, that Adam and Eve, Adam knew Eve and the result was a son. The two became one. Something took place that he knew. This, and here's, here's what it takes to know truth. It takes time. I know Donald Trump. 
I know of Donald Trump. Do you know? And many times we teach people about Jesus. Oh, have you heard about Jesus? Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a hippie-ish guy. Him. Now, there's a difference between knowing about something and knowing someone. That you can explain Jesus is not nearly as important as if you've experienced Jesus. That's a whole nother dimension. So, <clears throat> yeah, um, this guy, I was, when we were in Banff, I, was at, at, I ended up talking to people. And uh, he, I, I was looking through a book, and it's a uh, picture. He said, uh, this guy's name, this George guy, uh, that took all these pictures here. Uh, I said, yeah. He said, I knew him. I said, oh, really? Well, I, you mean this, this is, this, this guy right here, the guy, yeah, but I knew him. I said, really? Yeah, he had a passion for photography, obviously. And he said, yeah, but he, he published 52 books. He said, I knew him. You see the difference? That you know the truth means that you've had an intimate interaction and an experience with it, and now it's become part of your life, and it's integrated now into your daily walk. So Jesus actually did something very radical in the beginning of chapter 8. And here, here is this, honestly, when, when this woman was taken in adultery, because to be, so adultery is bad, yeah, we all know that. that. That won't keep you from doing it. So he, here's what he did. He, so it's quite likely that because it said the woman taken in adultery, the question is, where's the man? Takes two to tango. It's quite likely that the man set it all up. Part of this devilish plan. So they tried to trap Jesus by saying, ah, oh, but you know that if anybody's taken in adultery, if anybody's caught in adultery, that they need to be stoned. The so they had him trapped. What was he going to do? And so here's the difference between knowing something, knowing a truth, and having an intimate working knowledge of the truth. Because what, so, but David wasn't stoned neither, and he committed adultery. See, see, here's what happened is that the higher law that was taking place, knowing Jesus, when you've interacted with Jesus, he will not point a finger at your sin because he bore your sin in his body on the cross. He won't point that out. What he will point out to you is how you can have an intimate experience with that truth so now you can walk something out in the earth and change the earth. That's what he did. This is miraculous, I think. Uh, let me just get to the next point and then the next point and then we're done. You don't want to make a mistake between activity and maturity because the path of a disciple requires an encounter. I'm going to ask people this morning who want a breakthrough to do something. Because the Bible says that faith without any activity is empty. It's dead. You've got to put shoe leather behind your faith. So activity doesn't equal encounter. Amen, somebody said quietly. When we invite Christ into our life, we just begin the life of following the shepherd. It just starts. And the first thing that will happen if the Lord is your shepherd is he'll lead you into abundance. Have you, do you know him as your provider or just as your savior? 
Because if you only know him as Savior, you'll continually be the victim in life. Because he always has to be plucking you out of problems. But if you, you know him as your shepherd, he said, when the Lord, David said, if the Lord is my shepherd, I will want for nothing. He reveals to you that there's an endless supply of mercy and truth and justice and prosperity of all dimensions. The first thing you'll learn if you're going to follow him, but following him requires a choice. Not a choice one day, but a choice every day. A choice this morning, a choice tomorrow, a choice tonight. Now, so here's, here, here is the life of a follower. It's learning to listen and then learning to lean. Because the enemy will always try to keep you from trusting God. He'll rather have you trust in yourself or lean on your own understanding. Now, uh, help me, Holy Spirit. This happened in the garden. The enemy does the same thing. Distrust the word and distrust one another. We have to tune our heart to hear his voice and let him lead us. And this is the process of metamorphosis. This is the great paradox of a follower of Christ. Are you saved or are you being saved? The answer is yes. This is a great paradox. Because the word salvation means much more than eternity in heaven. And next month I can't wait to share three sermons on heaven. I'm very excited about these. I am. Um, salvation or the term sozo. The, so the question with this. Because are you saved or being saved? It includes being saved, healed, delivered, blessed, prospered, and protected. So are you healed or are you being healed? Are you delivered or being delivered? <laughs> right? Are you prospered or being prospered? The answer is yes. This is an ongoing process of becoming a follower and a disciple of Christ. That's what's taking place today. This is the threshold of your breakthrough right now. Have you been healed or are you being healed? The answer is yes. Now, the last point here, becoming all that you were created to be. What and who we become is always our choice. And it's always your choice. And it's your choice today. I have this deep conviction within my heart that my life is always my choice. That's why you have to be aware. And I say this very strongly as your pastor and leader. Be very aware of ultra-sovereignty. Which implies that you don't, that God is making all your decisions for you. That is dehumanizing and it's not a truth. Anything ultra is dangerous. Can I say that? And that's why truth is always held in tension. Whenever it's taken to any extreme, it no longer becomes a truth. So we need to know the truth. And the Holy Spirit is the one who keeps us in this tension. So, so ultra-sovereignty implies that God makes all of our choices. That's destructive. Because we always own our choices. And, and, and to be a disciple is a choice. Not a choice one day, a choice every day. To keep obeying. You are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my, te my, my teachings. If I had no choice 
of how, how would I ever follow? So you have a choice. He's leading you into beside still waters and towards green pastures today. Your choice is will you follow? Yeah, yeah, but I'm just not too sure about all this following Jesus stuff. And yeah, yeah, I know. This is the most terrifying experience in our life. It's called dying to self. How, this is ironic, isn't it? There's a problem with a living sacrifice is we jump off the altar. Salvation is him giving his life for you. Discipleship is you giving your life for him. What threshold or what choice do you need to make today as a follower of Christ to lead you into breakthrough? I'm not sure if God wants the best for me. Yeah, I know. There, there you go. You're listening to the adversary who's saying, better not trust him. This is, this is old news. Who are you going to trust? Who's your daddy? Historically, Israel were invited to leave Egypt. This is, this is history. Did you know that not everyone left? They all had a choice. Did you know that? And, they, and then they started on the journey, but they could at any time go back. In fact, their desires were still back there. Missing the onions and the garlic. They were Ukrainian. They, so what, did, what, what were they to do? They had a choice. They had to keep going. And even when they got into the promised land, did you know that some still went back? So Joshua had to say this at the end, after they're in there, conquered the land, most of it. He had to say this, as for me and my house, you can choose whoever you want. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, every father needs to learn how to say that. Here's what we're going to do. As for me and my house, we're going to the house of God every week. Not once a month. We're going every week. All right, isn't that a bit extreme, Pastor? Yeah, sure it is. This is an extreme lifestyle. Christianity is an extreme sport. Absolutely. It's everything. It's all in. That's what it is. They still had a chance to go back. Given the chance to go back, you are no different than me. We will want to go back. But giving a surrendered life, we will want to keep following Christ. That's the path of a disciple. His life is no longer his own. This is, this, is, this, this is costly. It'll cost your life. But it's your choice. And if you want to find a life, you need to learn to give up your life. Tough message. I'm just preaching it. Um, choose you this day. It's a daily choice. And, and you'll notice that, that the Lord lets you make your choices. As a father, I always found it so difficult when my kids would want to make bad choices. But I remembered the two instances of a father. One was the father in the garden. And he didn't make it childproof. And the other was the prodigal's father. He never stopped his son from going. Why? Because you've got a choice. Anything that removes your free will choice is destructive and dehumanizing. I'm not here to make your choices. Don't put me in that position. Neither is your spouse. We, neither is your mare. We honor our hearts, right? But you get to choose how you're going to, your life and how you're going to carry your life. Last, last half a point and I'm done. Um, when the Bible said, says God resists the proud, 
It doesn't mean that he's against them personally. I don't know if you've ever felt this before or not. He resists the proud. Is he against the proud? No. By definition, pride is described as an opinion or a belief or a perspective that's different than God's. Doubt would have its roots in pride because we don't believe or trust God. When you're in a position... I, I am in opposition, when I am in opposition to God, in my opinions or beliefs and perspectives, and my, my thoughts and beliefs and perspectives don't line up with his, I'm in pride. Arrogance is easy to spot. Pride is hard. It's sneaky. Insecurity is a form of pride. Because you're not trusting God for being all you've, you know, he's made me to be something special. No, no, I'm just nothing. I'm just a slime ball. Ah, you need to get saved and your mind needs to get changed. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Don't say I'm just uh, anything. You've got if you've got the if you've got if you've got the lion, you've got the the lamb. You've got you've got a roar. Uh, you know, I just feel like in a minute here we're just gonna. I, I, this sounds really heretical, but I just feel the Holy Spirit's got a fist ready, and He's just gonna take the wind out of something. Um, the, this, this process, this process, just, just, just think of this not as a religious term, but this process of becoming a disciple, it takes one action, it's called repentance. Don't think of that as a religious term. All that is is changing your mind. Letting your mind become his mind bringing your thoughts captive to his. What is a proud argument? Anything, that, that, that's a definition of a stronghold. Something that's holding you strong in a place of weakness or insecurity or, or, or uh, less than you've been called or created to be. You will not change unless you change your thoughts. Your thoughts are your prophets. That's why, be careful, little mind, what you think. Because that's where you're going. So here's how I'm going to close um, I need to say this, I need to say very quickly that the good news is this. I mean, I, this is an interesting new term, false news, isn't it? F good news is that salvation and forgiveness have been provided for every human being on the earth. That's good news. Irrespective of race, color, religion. Irrespective of orientation. Irrespective forgiveness and salvation is available to everyone. The false news is that you have to become good enough to accept it. The only thing that will keep you from the cross is pride. You don't have to twist God's arm. You don't have to beg Him. You don't have to plead with Him. Salvation is a gift to be received, not earned. Religion will make you try and earn it. You don't have to earn it. So if you'd like to come to Christ, that's a decision of yours you can make right now. And you can be saved right where you're seated. Easy process. Christ died for you. And if you believe that in your heart, not, he, he, for those who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. That's the easy part. But becoming a disciple, that's a commitment of day to day letting go of your life, your ideas, your opinions, your perspectives, and taking your time in the Word of God and letting it transform the way that you think. I'm here this morning to
shatter some strongholds. And I want the whole band to come up. Because when we close, uh, when we close, which will be in about two minutes, is I need you to sing that once again about no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Because today there's weapons that are formed against every one of you. They're against three areas primarily, against your health, against your finances, and against your relationships. And you get to make a decision today whether you're going to let the weapon that's formed you prosper or not. This takes an act of violence. You and I are to resist. We submit ourselves to God, and we resist the enemy, and he'll flee. This works. You don't have to yell at him. I've tried yelling. It feels good for you, but it doesn't do any good for him. You need to resist. Take an active action within your heart to say no and say yes to Christ. So I want to know today who needs a breakthrough. I'm going to pray for you where you're seated, but I need you to stand up. Stand up. Thank you. All right. Thank you. See you know. Yeah. Thank you. You need a breakthrough. So what can happen is you can just get stopped at a certain place. But here's what we're going to do is rather than believe our circumstance and all of the lies that get repeated in our mind, we're going to believe the Word of God and we're going to believe the truth. And we should even re repeat it. That there's no weapon formed against me will prosper. They're pointed at you right now, but they don't need to prosper. We get to make a decision today. So close your eyes with me just so you can focus, not to become super spiritual, just so you can focus. Father, I need the words to that song up here because I chorus, because it was. Father, I thank you today that these are your people that you have brought into a place of revelation, into a place of accepting of your truth and your path as disciples of Christ. Not only are they saved, but they're healed and delivered and prospered and protected. And so today we declare your salvation, Lord, that great salvation. We declare it over your people right now. And in the area that each one needs breakthrough in, where they've got stopped in their relationship with you for whatever reason, whether they're afraid, whether they're unsure, whatever it could be, today we command that each one of those voices be silent because no word speaks louder than your truth. And today we choose to have an experience with your truth. And we will not submit ourselves to our circumstance. We'll put them under our feet where they belong. And we'll receive the word of the Lord today. Father, I thank you that you are the God of breakthrough. And today we declare your kingdom come and we make an assault against the prince of darkness to try and steal, kill, and destroy from your beautiful bride. And we raise up a standard today in Jesus' name and we will not allow those lies to prosper. We declare, Lord, that these weapons that are formed against us will not prosper in Jesus' name. God bless you. If anybody needs prayer, we'll be here at the front to pray. I'd encourage you just to sing this through one time. Get it into your spirit. Have an awesome week. You are overcomers. Let's sing it.